1: mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up if you want to do it just by the telephone we can do that also and you can give the office a call 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also like i said earlier we do have with us from mount Carmel, illinois prophet tom decker Uh,
2: i want to say uh, from the get-go that we have touched on and talked about How a familiar spirit can come as an angel of light, an angel of darkness as an angel of light, and appear to you as light. And I think that we, I think that we, without a shadow of turning, was able to declare through the Word of God to you that, bless God, that that is more than a possibility in all of our lives. Not just yours, but mine too. And through that, and and realizing that, then we have to come to grips with the fact that if a familiar spirit can come and use me, then uh, uh, how am I going to know whether it is or it isn't? And we've given you some good uh, uh, good uh, support scripturally. And otherwise, through some of the situations I've had in my life, asked how to combat familiar spirits and understand them. As uh, so I said, and we'll, we'll keep on saying, most of the people that think that they're having uh, visitations from God are having visitations from from familiar spirits. They don't know that. But the fact of it is, folks, when you st- when you stop and you think about this thing for just, just a moment and begin to realize something, most of these people that are standing up, now not all of them, but most of these people are standing up saying, oh, in, 19- in 2007, two- I'm still living in the 1900s, I know, 2007, 2008, the, the, all this is going to happen. You know, if, if you look at those people, most, most of them, now I... I always ask questions, and sometimes I get back answers. Most of those people have never had any kind of a viable ministry at all. Hear what I'm saying to you? But they hear in God, tell them all this stuff, so they think, and they're going to stand up and see, oh, I, you'll see I'm of God because I just gave this and it came to pass. Folks, that, that's, you know, again... That's ludicrous at best. That's not the way God, that's not consistent with God, it's not the way God, God brings prophets forth. He brings them forth. You know what I've told over and over again, I've had open vision since I was eight years old. I've been a freak. A freak when I grew up, a freak as I got, uh, you know, as a teenager, a freak when I went out here and tried to be in the world instead of serving God. I was still a freak. I know what that's all about, and I know it doesn't happen the day that you get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's in your life. You're born into it. You were from the foundation of the world. It came forth, and you were part of it. And yet, at the same time, we've got all these knuckleheads out here. That God's told. Them. Why would God tell you there was going to be an earthquake in California anyway? Stop think about that. What good would it do you to know that? Nobody's going to listen to you. Who are you going to tell your family, the next door neighbor? Oh, maybe you're maybe you're going to uh, spend the money and run an ad in the newspaper, or worse than that, you're going to you're going to write to this prophet and and try to express to me how spiritual you are. Well, the fact of it is, uh, none of any of it's going to amount to anything. And that's the reason I keep saying I, I don't understand why people would think why why God only gives those things to to to, to prophets that bless God that have. That have been there. Like I said, I, I've been shot at. I've been threatened. I, they've tried to hunt me down all over this world. I've been spit on. I've been kicked. I've been cursed. I've had pins stuck in dolls trying to trying to curse me that I die. And and yet I'm standing here telling you from a man that's had 31 years of being a prophet of what's going on. And then you have got somebody that has never stood in the holy place, has never stood before the the council of God. In any way, shape, or form, telling you that in, in 2007 that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Folks, get real. Wake up and be part of the rest of us. It doesn't work that way. And I know that that's not what people want to hear and they, well, you think, Brother Decker, you think you're the only one that God is going to use. No, I'm, I'm smarter than that. If I'm the only one God's going to ever use, we're all in trouble. Amen? We're all in trouble. We all have a place. We all fit in that cog somewhere. Turn with me, to Deuteronomy 18. Now, the question I want to ask, and this isn't going to be real fair to some of you because some of you, bless God, has been corresponding with us, but I want to make a statement. The thing about prophetic ministries is this. If you ever have the opportunity and seize the opportunity to come under a real seasoned prophet of God, one or two things are going to happen to you. You're either going to come in or we're going to sink your boat. There isn't any in-betweens to that. I've never lied to any of you from the first time we met. You heard me say these words. I'm still saying it tonight. What happens is people that get around a real prophet like me come around most of the time because they are fascinated for the fact that maybe, just maybe, finally in their lives they found somebody that is a real prophet. That's usually what happens first. The second thing that usually happens is that they are already have arrived themselves and what they really like to do was get me to recognize they're arri- arriving so we could all get me and them can get on the same platform and be at the same, uh, uh, spot and, and recognize the other one as being some great one of God. Well, as I told you, if you knew what I know, you'd be up here and I'd be sitting out there. That's the reason I'm up here and you're out there. Now you don't have to say amen, oh me, or oh my. That's just the way it is, folks. That, there's no other way to cut it than that. So what happens is you come under a real prophet of God, and we begin to, uh, to if you will, explore within your heart and your mind, your spirit, man, the, the opportunities of you becoming what God made you to be. Now, some of us that believe that we've already have arrived, and it happens, bless God, well, I've heard all that. Now, folks, I, uh, please. I've done this for 31 years, so I know something about what I'm saying. So the the the, the problem begins to be in is the fact, and this has happened consistently all through these years, that the same people that thought they had arrived are the same people that bless God that are on the telephone wanting their diapers changed. Okay, what this is about? You growing up, I didn't take any of you to raise. And I don't intend to raise you. Don't call me being wah, wah, wah over the telephone. If you can't make it where you're at now, God can't use you anyway, so you might as well just quit or bear it and get through it. And I suggest you bear it and get through it. Okay? Now, how many people have gone that's been under this thing for the past year, how many of you know you've gone through some real, real supernatural, downright out-and-out warfare? Raise your hand. Look around, folks. You're not for yourself. Okay, we're all in it. See my hand up in air? We're all in it, aren't we? The key is understanding what God did. Now, if you found Deuteronomy 18, we're going to do the ninth verse. We're going to start in the ninth verse. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of those abominations the Lord thy God that drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect. Thou shalt be entirely obedient with the Lord thy God. Well, you know, again, we we, we talked about Familiar spirits coming as light. I mentioned that before, but it uh, needs to be mentioned one more time. And tonight and this weekend, what we're really going to dig into is how those familiar spirits are involved with you. Where did they come from? How do they, how do they, how do they even get the right to operate? How can you stop more than that? How can you stop the operation of them? All right. Now in first Peter, if you'll turn there with me, First Peter. First Peter five. Starting in the eighth verse. First Peter five, eight. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the the God of all grace, whom hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, we're being told something here. One is that the devil... Is going around, walking about, seeking whomever he can devour. Now, folks, that has not—that's not talking about those that are, have not been, uh, bless God, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. This is talking about mankind. This is talking about people in churches, just like people out, bless God, that are heathens in this world. So his, so his place, or or, or let's put his his job, evidently, uh, Satan's job is to, bless God, is to do what? is to walk about seeking whom he should devour as a what? A roaring lion. Now, let me tell you something about that lion right off. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The lion does not have any teeth. He may gum you to death, but he ain't going to eat you. Okay? And that's what you've got to understand. What he seems to be and what he is is two absolute different things altogether. Now, we're told in the ninth verse, we are to do what? Resist steadfast in what? In the faith. The only way that you can resist the devil is in the faith. It doesn't have a thing in this world to do with, oh golly gee, I've been to church three times this week. Oh golly gee, I I gave to the mission fund $5,000. Oh golly gee, don't forget I gave the preacher this or I did that. No, no. You have to do what it has to be within the faith. What is the faith? It's that which was delivered unto Peter and the boys, if you will, to the apostles, by the Lord Yeshua Himself. So when you begin, when you begin to realize that, that bless God, that that the adversary, the devil, is definitely prowling around, looking, walking to and fro, figuring out who it is that he can do what he can overtake. Let's turn. Let's turn in in. In the in the in the in the book of Job, and again, this is just reference here, but it's it's good reference that, that you would uh, understand where the Lord God brings and why He brings. I guess you know Job was a fascinating character. I, I you know for the years that, that I studied and did the things that I did. Uh, in the scripture, every once in a while I'd come about and I'd begin to, i begin to read and i begin to see Job and i begin to see Job in a, a light differently every time I seem to read it for years. But I began to realize something. Let's see, I've got to get to the Job 1, 6, and 7. It says, Now there was a day when the sons of God uh, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whist thou comest? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. So Satan is definitely prowling up and down your street. He's doing that throughout the earth. Now John 10.10 simply says that the thief or the devil cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the, the, the whole demeanor, if you will, uh, of Satan and his cohorts cool is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And they are out looking, if you will, they're out looking into every one of our lives To see if we can be their next victim or victims. That's what they do. They do it very, very well. They've had lots of years of, lots of years of practice. Familiar spirits is used 16 times in the Bible, the King James translation that is, and it all happens to be in the Old Testament. What are familiar spirits? We're going to talk about that over the weekend. How do they act? We're going to get into all that. What does the Bible say about them? We're going to get to that. How do they get into your life? That's a biggie. We're definitely going to spend time there. And but more than that, how do you get rid of them? Premier spirits have one purpose, and it's to defeat you, to keep you down. That's what it's all about. Once once you see, if you go back and, and relate to some of the teachings that I have brought in the past to you, you'll begin to realize that, bless God, that the whole idea is when you decide that you're going to learn something about the Word of God and apply it to your life, then Satan, whom obviously is walking to and fro, prowling up and down your street, looks at you and says, Ho, ho! Old Deckard decides he wants to raise the dead and he wants to act like a prophet and be a prophet, do all those things. Well, let's see, Lord. You let the hedge down and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to show you Deckard doesn't believe any of what he says he believes. Now, folks, that's not exactly the way it works, but it's real close. Okay? Because everything that you re- receive from God, then you're going to have to pass the test in order for you to be able to say, it's mine, I walk in it, and here I am in it. All right? You just don't walk in. You know, I, I, I teach it back as when you were a kid going to school. How did they know whether you knew the multiplication tables? They gave you a test. If you passed it, then, bless God, they knew that you knew it. If you flunked it, you didn't. Then you'd have to go through it again until you could get it right. The things in the spirit realm work exactly the same way. We get to believing we're also so whatever that is, and all you're doing when you get to doing that, you, you know you're, you're ready for a fall. You are ready to really get yourself entangled with darkness. Why? Because they're out here looking, and they're looking to try to do what? To get you to defeat you. They want to get you down. Why? Because I'm going to tell you something that the powers of darkness understand that most people will never understand. The Word of God works. They know that. And that's more than most Christians are ever going to know. We would like to think the Word of God works until what? Until hell comes home to visit us, and then all of a sudden we're on the phone yelling, hey! That's what happens to us. What we're not what we don't consider is that we have been given by the Lord Himself full advantage over the powers of darkness. In fact, He's been put under our feet, the Bible says. Amen. So familiar spirits want to do what? They want to, they, they 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 want to defeat you, they want to keep you down, they want to make you feel inadequate. You ever feel inadequate? How about helpless? All right? How about unworthy? How about inferior? And some of these spirits have been around some of you for years. Well, I'm just not worthy. Well, I'm just... And you know, I, it, it, it comes in all different packages, folks. And through the, all these years, I suppose I've heard most of it. I'm not going to be dumb enough to say I've heard it all. But the fact of it is, it comes in that way. But you have to realize that you are in control of your spiritual growth. Nobody else. Only you. You can either come up or you can go down. You can either, and, and like I said, and folks, I know that sounds hard that, to make the statement, but if you can't come through where you're at now, you might as well quit. You say, well, what kind of a preacher would say that? This prophet would say that. Because see, God can't use you where you're at now. If you can't come through where you are now, then He won't be able to use you for the tomorrows. Because I'm going to tell you why you're going through what you're going through now, is so that He can use you in the tomorrows. And see, we never, we never, and somehow, in, in, in what little wisdom we really possess, I think, we never come to, to the absolute realization that that is the way this thing operates. That God has taken us, if you will, from this place to that place, from one glory to the next glory, to the next glory, to the next glory. And In order to get us there, we have to be able to prove that we stand upon His Word. Have any of you here in this room ever had any kind of a disease? And you don't have to raise your hand or any kind of an affirmative or any kind of anything that's gone on in your life for years. And bless God, then you decided to stand on the Word of God and it got worse before it got better. Come on. It get worse before it gets better. But you know what? Eventually, you beat it. Does that ever come back in your life anymore? No. You know why? That familiar spirit knows that it can't do any good there because you proved that you could defeat that with the Word of God through the name of Yeshua. You prove that. Once that is proven, everything else is in the story. It's over. The old story is they're going to pack their bags, go down the street, and look for somebody else to put it to because you just put it to them. But you have to put it to them. You've got to take the A game, and you better take the A game, and you better take it right at them. Because if you don't, they will come, and what will they do? Bless God, they'll snowball you if if they get a chance. So doubt, despair, doom. Now, just about every household has those three things hanging around. Doubt. Well, I'd like to, well, I'd like to, well, I just don't, I I mean, I thought I was healed, but I don't. And it goes on and on and on. on. Then you get down, and then you get out. Don't you understand that you fulfilled John 10.10? He came, he stole from you, and now he's destroying you, and he will kill you. If you'll go that next step, he will kill you before your time. Why? Because darkness. See, darkness doesn't have pity. Darkness doesn't have anything but the idea of to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's all that. That's all that the, a, a Satan and his cohorts have to present themselves to you with. And so they are out to do those things, and they're going to do everything in their power to keep you, to keep you, to keep you. To keep you know how I didn't say the church. I didn't say this group. To keep you individually down. Because you know why? Once you understand how to handle familiar spirits, then you're going to teach somebody else how to do this. And then they're going to learn to do it. And before you know it, you're going to have everybody in a room learn to do it. And before that, bless God, after that, it's hard to tell them what could take place. Darkness cannot stand to have that happen from you or anybody else. So that's the reason, folks. You know, Paul, I used to just hate it when Paul talked about how he could glory and everything that he was in. I thought, man, Paul, you've got to be a little twisted somewhere. How do you glory when all this stuff is going on in your life? Whether you're sick or whether you're broke or whether you're this or whether you're that. How do you glory to that? You know what it's about? Whether we live or we die, we belong to him. We're his. We're not of our own. Bless God, we were created by him. And he knows that. Hopefully, we will learn to know that. Amen. Amen. So, as as we as we begin to understand, when when the powers of darkness can begin to get you to doubt the validity of God's word, not whether or not uh, you will you will bless God tomorrow, not change your mind, but darkness can't can't afford again for you to understand that it really works. You know, that's the reason I keep saying that when you begin to realize how powerful, how alive the Word of God is, is, and you begin to use it with the name of Yeshua, His Holy Son, and watch it work, then all of a sudden you begin to realize something that a lot of people never get the opportunity to realize it really works. Then comes the testing. Then when you get into the testing, and all of a sudden you thought you were healed, and then all of a sudden the pain comes back, and now you think you're not healed, and what do you do in the people around you? I thought you were healed. I thought everything was okay. So, well, You know, you hate to go around slapping people, but the fact of it is you're the only one that can control that. Most people's miracles, healings, finances, and everything else are wrapped around this little thing just about that floor under your nose. Right here. Because right here is going to tell darkness whether they win or where they lose. See, darkness doesn't know whether they win or lose until you tell them. As long as you keep your mouth shut and you stay with the Word of God, darkness doesn't know what to think. In fact, you want to drive darkness bonkers. You just believe the Word of God. They won't know what to think. They, I knew a fellow one time, and I for years just something else. What a story! This man was about to go in to be operated on. and They told him he needed an operation. He said, "No." He said, "I don't need an operation. God's going to heal me." Now he's in. He had had a car wreck, and he was in the hospital, and he had, he had he broke his back, and he was laying there in the hospital room. And and they come in and said, well, we're going to operate on him and, on you tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. And he said, no. He said, uh, I, he said no. You won't operate on me. He said, God, God heal me. And doctor said, you know, uh, uh, fellow, you better, you know, be real here about this. We, here's the X-ray, and there's a broken back here, and and you're not going to, you know, you're you're going to have to be operated on because of what had happened within all that. And and he said, well, nope. He said it won't happen. He Said you can come get me tomorrow, but he said it won't happen. The next day came, and sure enough, they got him all prepped, got him all ready for surgery, loaded him on the gurney, shoved him, started down the hall, and all of a sudden, the presence of God come upon that man. He yanked that thing out of his arm. He jumped up off that cart, and he said, Now x-ray me, doc, because he said the manifestation has come. And he was healed. Now, what's the difference? The difference was simply him knowing within himself. See, faith is just knowing. You remember what we talked about within the faith? Faith is just knowing. You know. You know further than your mind can ever think. You know. That's what makes faith operate. You know, back in the days when God was teaching me about miracles and healings early on in my ministry, and, and in this room, much of that took place, and, and I, I I remember the Lord said that to me, the angel came and said to me, he said, when you can see those people in wheelchairs get out and walk when they come through those doors, he said, you'll see them get out of the wheelchairs and walk. So what kind of thinking is that? I mean, I, my carnal mind couldn't handle that because they, I'd be here and I'd, they'd push me in and I'd go... I didn't see anybody get over. And one night, they pushed somebody in a wheelchair, and it was a man, and they pushed him through that, that, that door back there. I saw him in the spirit crawl out of the wheelchair. My eyes got big and I said, Lord, I see... Sure enough, that night, that man pushed his wheelchair out of that parking lot, loaded up in the trunk, and never was in a wheelchair again the rest of his life. But you see, it's a knowing past what your mind can know. Your mind is the worst enemy, bless God, that you have. Your mind will beat you out of more things that God has for you than anything else. Why? Because your mind wants to be reasonable. The Word of God isn't reasonable. The Word of God is what? What? It is spirit and life to those that can find it. And when you grab on and you latch on, when you latch on to spirit and life, you've got a hold of something, folks, that, uh, well, that you, you know, I, I don't even think the carnal words can begin to explain what you've got a hold of. Now, doubt brings on despair, and, and it brings on doom, and then people get to saying, well, you know, people that were... I've seen people come, and bless God, have turned yellow from cancer where the eye, their eyes turn, uh, you know, the whites of their eyes uh, turn uh, yellow. And they're dying. I've had them come into this room and, and, and lay my hands on them and watch God bring the miracle and see them, see them bless God, right in front of me. Their cheeks become rosy. Their eyes become, become white around their eyes again. Bless God, if they needed to get up and walk, they got up and walked. Whatever they got to do, they did. And then, bless God, a, a, a few months later, the phone will ring and say, well, such and such is, uh, 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 has got cancer again. I said, what do you mean such and such has got cancer again? Well, they, they just do, you know, they just, uh, they just do. Now, what really happened there with that? I'll tell you what really happened there in that. The such and such, when Satan came to steal, see now, if you don't get anything else this weekend... You understand that he will come to steal. When he came to steal, when he came and he punched this woman in that area that she'd had cancer in, oh, oh, oh. instead of her saying, I'm healed for the stripes that he bore upon the tree, and the pain has been taken in that healing in the name of Yeshua, she yielded to the pain. You said, well, that's easy to say. Well, that's easy to say. Yeah, it's easier to say than it is to do if you're in pain. But you see, the difference is the man on the gurney and the woman that was healed of cancer. She went back, by the way, to the doctor, brought the report to this church and left it here where she had been given complete, uh, had been dismissed altogether of cancer by the doctors. And there it was a few months later, bless God, she got So I went to her house. I began to give her a short version of what I'm giving here tonight to you, and I told her, I said, honey, I'm going to lay hands on you, and, and, and I said, you need to repent. Remember how I taught you? If you're, 14, what is it, 1423 of Romans, if you doubt it's sin, and if you're going to doubt, you got to, that sin, you've got to repent for it. So I said, just repent for your doubt, your unbelief. I'm going to pray, the anointing's going to run, and you're going to be healed again. You want to know something? As I taught her what she was going to have to do the next, time, I said, honey, Satan is going to come again. And he's going to come in the same manner he came before, and he's going to try to steal that from you. What are you going to do? Listen closely, folks, because this, I don't care whether it's cancer, a backache, your finances, or the pain in the neck the neighbor is next door. It all works the same way. It is up to the, because you have command over the words in your mouth. You have command. Darkness doesn't have command over your mouth. You have command over your mouth. You can say anything you want to say. The key is learn to say the right thing. All right? Oh, we can all say the right things when everything's going well, right? But what do you say when things are not going well? Well, see, that's when that familiar spirit comes and, bless God, begins to look you over and say, Oh, I see this is going to be easy pickings. Let's just start right here. You start moaning and groaning, and saying, "Well, I guess I still got." Well, the lady lives today from the cancer thing because she had to be educated. You know, I keep telling people it's one thing to come receive miracles; it's another thing, bless God, to keep those healings and miracles and deliverances. And people, you know, people say, "Well, I thought under uh, such and such service, you know, did had a healing ministry. Well, they didn't. That's got nothing to do with such and such. It's got everything to do with bless God to the, how they they." reacted and interreacted with what took place after they received the miracle of the healing or the deliverance, all right? Now, James uh, cautioned about a spirit of doubt, and in, in, let's look in James 1. James 1. I've watched this work for so many years. 6 and 7. James 1, 6 and 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord... I guess I need to back up, okay? Let's go back in the, I'm sorry, the fifth verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth unto all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. And if you've never underlined that in your Bible, you need to underline that. That word, nothing wavering. It doesn't mean a little bit. It doesn't mean, oh, golly gee, ouch. No, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For not let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So you see the strength in that? You see, folks, the thing that you and I got to get past is, God does not feel sorry for you and I. He doesn't feel sorry for us. He has given us everything that we could ever think of, and then some, To be able to take care of every problem that we could ever have on the face of this earth, the key is you and how you handle all this. Because I'm going to tell you something. Tomorrow morning, the sun is going to come up in the east just like it did this morning. Okay? It's going. Life is going to go on tomorrow. You know, I told somebody one time that was about the a young uh, a young man was about to commit suicide. I was in service; it wasn't here. I was in service and I was about to shut the service down and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and the Lord said to me, he said, you see the young man that was toward the back? And I said, yeah. He said he's about to commit suicide. Go back there and, and minister to him. So I walked down off the podium. I went back and, and I, I, I looked at him. I said, I said, son, let me tell you something. The problem that you have in your life right now tonight that's causing you to want to take your life and begin to cry. I said, that problem one year from now won't even be any ways close to your mind at all. But you're about to do the dumbest thing that you could ever imagine. Commit suicide. Folks, stop and think about that. Everything changes. Bless God, I don't care. I don't care whether you're up or whether you're down. I don't care whether you're broke or you're a millionaire. I don't care whether you're well or you're sick. It's going to change. What you and I have to do and what you and I have to understand is but we've got to learn to walk on an even plane. See, what we're doing, most of us, we're either way up here or we're way down there. We're either up here or we're down there. And it's just our lives. Just do this. Up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And I'm going to tell you something. One time in my early time, before I got into ministry, <clears throat> the, the, the church that I was in, everybody always got the opportunity to go forward to the altar. And I was always going to the altar, and whatever it was in my life at that time, and right now, frankly, I don't remember what that particular thing would have been. There's been so many. Uh, bless God, that I decided I was going to give the Lord. I went up there, and I was praying, and I said, Oh, God, just take this and do this and that thing. And I heard so plainly the voice of God say to me, He said, Well, you know, it's hard to tell whether when you give it to me whether you have it or I've got it. And I thought, Well, what does that mean? And and again it came. He said, you know, you lay it down here in the altar and before you get to the seat, you've picked it back up again. He said, you come up here and say, Lord, take, take this burden and do something with it. He said, I can't do anything with that. As long as you have it, you have to give it to me. Leave it with me. I can take care of it. But as long as you're going to do what? The opposite? He said, then we're going to have the problem. The problem that you've got. Okay? Now remember something. Your spirit works... 24-7, 24-7, okay? Your spirit is always trying to work out for you what it is that you're believing for. So a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, okay? So your spirit is always trying to work out for you what it is that, that, that bless God, that you're trying to accomplish. Now, if one day you're trying to accomplish, oh, I'm healed by his stripes, and the next day you're trying to accomplish, oh, college chief. I thought I was healed. Now, just exactly what's your spirit is supposed to do with that? Almost heal we almost find healing almost for you? No, it doesn't work that way. So we find out here that this man, that if you're going to be double minded, then bless God that he's not going to receive anything. Not anything, not one IOTA, if you will, from the Lord. Now now you see, if we begin to look at that a little differently, but you know why we don't look at these things differently? Because in your case, it's you. In my case, it's me. Nobody, when they're hurting, hurts any worse than I hurt when I'm hurting. Same thing with you, right? When you hurt, nobody can hurt as bad as you hurt. I don't care whether it's a, it's a hangnail or bless God. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm, a, you know, I mean, I'm there. Well, we're all that way. That's, that's something called human nature, I think, to, to a large degree, but we can come over that doubt and unbelief. Those spirits do their best to do what? to keep you out of your promised land that God has given to all us through His Word. Okay? Just like the children of Israel. Bless God, they were kept out. Bless God of their com- of that because of their, their doubt and unbelief out of the promised land. And I'm going to tell you something. You and I are kept out of our promised land the same way. We get ourselves in a position many, many times, and we don't even realize that. See, somehow we haven't come to the full understanding that God is omnipresent. He's omnipresent. He's with us. When you're in that room and the door's shut and you think nobody... No, no. He's there. See, we can fool each other. Hmm? Wasn't Abe Lincoln? I think it was Abe Lincoln that, that, that said you can fool some of the people some of the time, all the people part of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, you can't fool God any time. And that's what the problem is. See, God's there. You and I can act... Righteous, we can act supernatural, we can act holy. But the fact of it is, God is looking at the purpose and the intent of our hearts. And He knows exactly where we're living. He knows exactly where we're at. And like I said, when you get around a, a season prophetic ministry, we're either going to float your boat or we're going to sink your boat. Why? Because we're going to shove. I know how to operate where I operate. I can teach this. You know, uh, we, we, we told a, a lot of, a lot of things... Uh, about how people, uh, watch people grow through the years. And I, we have watched a lot of people grow. I, I, this isn't something that's impossible. It's not something you can't attain. But you have to first get all this up here straightened up. You've got to get your thinking right. And once you get your thinking right, you know something? The rest of this will fall in place. Now, I realize that some of this that we're going through is just like Faith 101, and it should be because that's what it is. But the fact of it is, we are at a place, or at least the the, the ones of us here are at a place that we're now, hopefully, I've got your attention and we're ready to listen. And if we're ready to listen, we're going to go to step number whatever that is, and we're going to go on with this thing to the place we can take. You know, a lot of times God will let me come in and, and do things, and we present this stuff. We demonstrate the power of the anointing of God, and everybody sits there and, ooh, ah, and they get experience. How many times we've brought angels into this room, or, and, and bless God, they've ministered to, the, well, every one of you that's been in this room has been ministered to, through the times we've been here, and, and God's permitted me to do that. And it all gets to looking, whoa, I want to do, I want to. Maybe that's the hook, okay? Maybe that's the way God's going to hook you. But but you, you, you realize, please, realize what I'm saying to you, that the purpose of this is real. Temptation is set by God. You know what it's all about? I do the whole thing on, on, on temptation. Isn't that right, Donna? Isn't that back there on the table? And, and bless God, it's to find out what's in your heart. That's what it's all about. What's really there? Can you love God when you're at the bottom of the barrel and be just as far? Or is that is that when you want to run and hide uh, or bless God, jump off in the, in the lake somewhere. It, it, and folks, if it is, it ain't gonna work. See, you're on the wrong boat. You got in the wrong building. You got in the wrong place. You made the wrong journey. Whatever that is, you, you're wrong with it. This is a God that is consistent, that works consistently with His Word. And again, the problem is people believe they're all growing up in this kind of stuff, and bless God, they they missed they missed the absolute element. And which will thrust them to the, to the forefront of it in the fact that they, they just move with every wind that blows. And they're tossed to and fro. They become double-minded because, I mean, long as everything's working, me and the Lord are doing fine. But when I'm going through hell, I'm telling you what, I think I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. Somebody came to me and said to me, and I think, I think they, they, I thought they were here the last time. They couldn't be here this time. They called. They came to me in a meeting, I think of someone in Michigan. And they came and he said, well, I fasted. And he said, I fasted and prayed. And, and, and he said, I uh, haven't got the word that I'm, I'm needing from the Lord. And he said, I'm just I'm really frustrated with all this thing. Now, the worst time to come and ask me a question is when I get done. Because that's when the anointing is still all over me. And I don't even know what I'm going to say about half the time. And you probably don't want to hear what I've got to say all the time. So it's probably just about as well to kind of leave me alone. For just a little while and let me just come down off the anointing that where I can live with everybody else and everybody else can live with me. And I turned around to that brother and I said, well, I'd die if you have to. He looked at me and he backed up. He went over and he sat down. I went in the other room, sat and looked at the wall for about 15 minutes and come back out and apologized to him. He said, uh, that was pretty hard. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what, in essence, it's the truth. The fact of it is, folks, there's not anybody going to get you there but you. There's no magical wands. I didn't bring a magical wand wave here tonight. I don't have a magical set of hands to lay upon you. But I do have the power and the authority of the anointing of God's Word. that is life. And, and I, I'm always appalled... I find a lot of people that are spiritual that never got scriptural. And I keep saying, if you will become scriptural and live by the Word of God, then you will become spiritual, probably you'll never know it. But you'll get there. The problem is that we do it it backwards. In other words, we we get the proverbial cart in front of the horse, and we want to get spiritual before we get scriptural. Now, Now, let me tell you something, my beloved brothers and sisters. You are going to go through three, four times kind of hell to get in any position to carry anything close to this anointing. They're not being handed out for free. And I'm going to tell you, every time I get in a service and one of these young bucks come up that bless God about 23, 24 years old, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking a little Hebrew, want me to lay hands on them, that God said you go and let, let, let the prophet lay hands on you so you can raise the dead, I want to slap them. because it wouldn't be fair. It's taken me 31 years to even to do what I do. And you want to walk up here being 23, 24 years old, God's gift of whatever, lay hands on me, Brother Deckard, pour oil on me so I can have the all anointed. I go back there and sit down and shut up and learn something. Now, they don't like that. But folks, there is no magic to this thing. How many of you have been in Pentecostal churches where they did that? Well, we all have if you've attended any of them, this is the night when Evangelist is coming, he's going to pour the oil, and when you leave here, you will be all anointed. Dear God in heaven, we would line up. Dear God, I mean, push everybody out of the line to get a little closer to the anointing. And you know, I'd go around, i got to go around and ask, and i said, say, I don't want to be bearing tales or anything here, but have you noticed anything different in anointing? And you're like, no. Well, neither have I. We'll go around the church and find out everybody in the church didn't experience anything different. What was that about?
0: <laughs>
2: Time to play flashy. Did it fill the church up? Oh, you bet. Preacher come to town and going to pour the oil so you can be all anointed. You'd be a fool not to be in that line unless you've got the word of God in you. And if you got the word of God in you, you're not going to get one of them lines because you know full well the only way that you're going to have the anointing is to develop the anointing. The only way the anointing can be developed is through the Word of God. That is the only way. Do you know what I? Do you know what I know for a fact about the anointing? Those that bless God that are deep into the Word are those that have the heavier anointings. Those that aren't, well, I don't know where it's at, but somewhere it's not up there. It's down there somewhere. Now, how do you, how how does that how does that all that well? well you see, uh, everybody everybody has an anointing. You were given that by God. The key is to develop the anointing. And that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to develop the anointing where you can raise the dead, by the way. That's what God desires. He desires that in every one of our lives. And when I say raise the dead, I mean the possibilities of all things through Him are possible. Yeah, it's what He wants. But what you and I get into, and we get into it every time, it becomes one or two things for us. It becomes an ego booster. Here I am, God's little chosen. Whatever. huh? Or, bless God, we're power hungry. And it can be either one. You can get yourself in a position with this type of a thing to get either one of the places. And I'm going to tell you what either one of the places that are. Your heart's not right with God if you get there. Now, God has got a, a, a way. <laughs> oh, boy, does He ever. God's got this cute little way of bringing us around where He wants us, doesn't He? And He's got it. And you want to know something? Just about every time that I can think of in my walk with the Lord that I think, Now, Lord... I won't be going through anything like that again. You know, I've come through that. That, that Dear God, that was hell. I don't you know. I'm back, I come. And you want to know something? Oh, no, you never go back through that again. Oh, there'll be something else. See, the, the charismatic teaching was that if we got enough word in us that we wouldn't be sick anymore, we wouldn't be broke anymore, we wouldn't be this one anymore. Somebody shake their head because that was a teaching. But did it work? No, it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work, folks, is because, bless God, you individually have to work it. If you could, if, the, see, we are blessed with temptations. The, we, we, we've been given, we're going to be tempted because again, through temptation is the only way that God has got to find out whether you and I believe His Word to be the truth. So, if you're going to believe God for healing, I'll never forget when I decided to believe God for finances. We like to starve for six months. I was young, green, and stupid. And I'm going to tell you what, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, I was preaching, and I mean, everything was turning a dingy brown when it come to money. And and, I, and finally, I was praying, and finally I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. I'm supposed, I, I, am I outside your will? What, what is it that's going on? I can't understand why I'm, we're broke. We're not fit. We couldn't pay the bills. What kind of the deals this preacher takes bankruptcy? I said, God, what is this? About that time, the Lord spoke to me, and He said to me, He said, if you learn to only teach on the things that you walked in, you'll find out you'll be all right. Pastor, have you been there? Have you been there, taught stuff that you weren't ready to walk in and come beat you over the head? Boy, I did. I was real careful from then on what I taught on. If I hadn't walked in it and developed it, you didn't hear me teach and preach into it. No. People come here and say, well, why don't you get into this? You? I say, you well, I've never been there yet. I ever get there, I'll teach or I'll preach into it when I get there. I left finances alone and got away from that, that thing. And you know what? It wasn't very long till my finances began to turn around. What's it about? Trying to walk somewhere where you're not ready to walk. That's part of the subject matter, okay? Some of us just flat aren't ready to walk where we're trying to walk. When the time of testing comes, we sadly fail. When we sadly fail, doubt, unbelief, doom, gloom, despair comes in. The next thing we want to do is run. Why? because we're trying to walk somewhere sooner than we're capable of walking there. You know, it's just like a baby. You can't expect a newborn baby to stand up and walk. What do they do? They have to first learn to crawl, don't they? And that takes a while. And that's the same way that your walk and my walk is with the Lord. It doesn't happen overnight. But you're going to have to learn to crawl. And some of us are wanting to raise the dead when some of us haven't come over here to know what now faith is. Some of us have never got there, even though we've heard it talk, we've heard it preached, we've heard it done this and that and that. We still don't know what the, but yet we're wanting to be over here raising the dead. We want to be over here speaking and bless God the angels show up and, and the glory cloud come in and all these things are taking place. Well folks, you can't you see that again. It's putting the cart in front of the horse. It doesn't work that way. You've got to understand it's got to come from there. It's got to come from the Word into you, out of your mouth and into your hearts where you believe it. Faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? See, that's, what, that's the way faith gets there, by hearing. Now, the problem is, what you hear, you're going to have faith in. The old, old teaching. Heard old man Hagen teach it for years. You know, I love I love that old man's faith teaching. That old man never got deep with it, but I'm going to tell you what, if you ever get a hold of what he taught, you could walk in faith. The fact of it is, uh, that, bless God, if you have faith in, in good things, you'll have faith in good things. If you hear bad things, what are you going to have faith in? Bad things. See that 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 again is part of the way this thing this thing is set to work. Now, did, did we get to know Hebrews uh the thirteenth uh thirteenth, Hebrews three first. We're going to get thirteen. Hebrews 3, 18 and nineteen. And to whom swear he hath that should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. For we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And, and, of course, these are, again, basic basic scriptures. But, again, you need to be reminded of this stuff. We all do. You need to never quit studying what you've learned. All right? Because there's always something. Because the Word, again, is alive, the Word will keep peace. So so you understand they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. That's the reason we can't enter, enter in. Now, we know that, blessed God, uh, uh, that, uh, what Hebrews 13.8 uh, simply tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He's not changed. So if He hasn't changed... Then, then what has changed? Well, it, it's relatively simple. What's changed is our attitudes, more than that, what we have gone through and how we have reacted, how we have reacted to what we've gone through. See, when you, when you, when you go through this stuff, you have a choice to make. You can, you can act. In uh, any way that you want to act with it, or bless God, you can do what? You can just say, well, Lord, you know, here we are, this is the way it is, this is the way we're going to do it, and, and, and I'm going to believe your word, come hell or high water. I'm going to tell you something, that'll get you somewhere with God. Now, in Second Corinthians 120, it talks about yeas or yays and nays or nays. Let's go to it, I'm not sure, I don't want to misquote it. 2 Corinthians, Second Corinthians, uh, 120. And it says, for all the promises in him are yea, and in him amen, and to the glory of God by us. Well, you see, there is no nay in it. I said yeas and nays. It's always yeas. I'm sorry. And, and the fact of it is, and what that means is yes, and, and so be it. Yes, by all means, yes. That's what he's really saying about his word. By all means, yes. Every, everything, every aspect of this is that way. Uh, in other words, he's not holding anything back. And I think I I think again, if if you latch on to it, and you'll begin to realize that He's not holding anything back. Everything that He said is ours, is ours. The promise that He makes has the problem that goes with it. All right, because with every with every promise, there's going to be, and there has to be within that, an opportunity to do what? An opportunity to to bless God to mess up. And that's and that and you need to grab on to that and understand. It's through that, and only through that, that you and I are going to be able to do what we're going to be able to grow. So we want to be able to grow and to press on through those promises because they're always yes. It's not the Father's not going to hold anything good back from us. And I used to always say, "Well, is healing good? Yes. Is uh, is uh, cancer good? No. So it's not you know it's not hard. It's not hard to to, to get into that uh, in one hundred three of Psalms and and uh, the second verse of that is, again, something that probably you memorized a long time ago. Hopefully you still remember. But it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Because there, he's got so many benefits. And see, at the time that we're running around going, oh me and oh my, okay? At the time we're running around going, oh me and oh my, bless God, we forget to thank God for the air that we have, that we breathe. We forget to thank God if we have finances, for our finances. It seems to be the thing that we dwell on is the thing that is not being like we want it to be. So it seems to take away everything else that God does, and we selfishly turn over here to our problem instead of the answer, which is His promise by His Word. His promise does not only sustain us, but it does what? It brings us through it. Now, what are familiar spirits? The term refers to a, a, a spirit of divination or to its medium or conjurer. Originally, it meant the ritual hole or pit dug in the ground to give underworld spirits access to the parishioner for short periods of time. Later, the term was applied to the spirits which issued from the hole and also the necromancer, one who calls up ghosts or spirits to reveal the future, or one who speaks to the dead. The term familiar is used to describe the alleged spirit of a deceased person or to the spirit belonging to the family. Thus, it was on intimate terms with a deceased person. It was a spirit familiar with him. Now, I hope you understand that. It is a spirit that is familiar with that deceased person. And I think it's important at, at this juncture to understand that these spirits, because a person dies, it doesn't mean that that spirit dies too. The spirit, it, it doesn't die. A familiar spirit is to do what? Is to come and steal, kill, and destroy. That's what it's all about. The same thing that the devil himself is set here to do, to bring despair, uh, bring doubt, uh, uh, bring all the things, bless God, that's contrary to the Word of God. That's what a familiar spirit wants to do. And why do they want to do that? Because if, in fact, They can't hold you down and you begin to use the word of God and you become, and you become successful in it. They've got a problem and they're smart enough to know it. Because again, if, if, if you can do this, now listen to me, if you can do this, anybody can do this. See, when I used to teach this, this is the way I I begin to say the mountains that are in your lives, you're going to have to go over that mountain in order to come down off the other side. Now, there's going to be another one there, but you're going to have to go over the mountain. So, instead of running from the mountain, just go over the mountain. Instead of just trying to go, uh, go around the mountain, go, go over the mountain. Because here's the real key. If you will beat one mountain, one, not all, but just one mountain in your life, you will learn to beat them all. Until you conquer the one, you're not going to win any of them. You're not going to climb any of them. You're not going to over any of them. You've got to at least, if you ever beat one thing in your life, you can beat everything else. Why? The principle is the same. The principle never changes. Hey, thank you again so much.
1: That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.JewishProphet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more, all the tape series is out there.